Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Off the Bench podcast. Today is Mailbox Monday, and you guys have a lot of questions. I'm going to get to them today, as well as doing a really quick review of some of those of you who have written into me to tell me your words for 2024. I'm glad you guys are here. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, today's podcast is being sponsored in part by an awesome company called Pull Out Shelf Northwest. You guys know how much I love being in my kitchen. I absolutely love homemaking. And about a year and a half ago, I heard about a way that I could renovate my kitchen for just a fraction of the price just by installing pull-out shelves into my current cabinet. So I went ahead and did that a couple weeks before Christmas. I absolutely love it. It has improved my kitchen experience 100%. So I want to encourage you guys to check out Pull Out Shelf Northwest. This is a great opportunity for you to get a free estimate, support a local faith-based company, and give yourself the gift that's going to keep on giving all year long. That is installing wonderful pull-out shelves with a lifetime warranty, custom-made and installed by the owner of a small Camas Washington-based company. Check it out at Pull-Out Shelf Northwest. Call Brad today for a free estimate, 503-504-7050. All right, you guys, let's jump right into your questions. I love hearing from you, as you know. You can reach out to me directly by just going to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. I also want to say thank you for leaving reviews for the show. You guys are awesome. The listeners to the show are awesome. You guys are the best. And I love that you're doing it. I love that you're interacting with me over at Spotify and leaving reviews uh, at Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for doing that. I wanted to touch on the headlines today, but there are so many questions in the queue that I'm going to go ahead and just jump right to them. But first, I want to just say thank you to those of you who have written in. There's a bunch of you letting us know what your word is for 2024. I feel like coming up with a word, praying into a word, just saying, Father, give me a move of of your spirit in my life so that I can... uh, move forward in a direction that's pleasing to you in 2024. And several of you gave me really wonderful words that you are going to be leaning into. Angela in California said her word is intentional. I love that. I talked about that a little bit a couple of days ago. Sarah in Florida, her word for the new year is abide. Man, Sarah, that's a great word. She says that word has been coming to me in so many different ways that it's made me perk up to see what God is saying to me about abiding in him. And Sarah, I love that you're saying that you've seen it so many times, like it's come to your mind, or maybe it was at, uh, you know, at a, on a radio show or in a sermon and you're like, okay, the Lord maybe wants me to pay attention. I love that you're leaning into that. Katie in Michigan said she's not completely settled, but she thinks her word for the year is going to be growth. I'm currently growing a surprise baby, number six. Well, you know, Katie, that's a a pretty good uh, indicator. (laughs) So I have the focus of growing a healthy baby as well as growing in health after delivery and then the growth in maturity and self-control as I continue homeschooling the older four kids while juggling what will be two little ones. I have a mental list of so many things I want to do more of and do better in the new year and I want to ground myself in reality. I love that. Boy, more of that. By looking for growth in those areas instead of having a pass or fail view of that wish list. Something, Katie, that you said that really stood out to me was this growing in maturity and self-control. And uh, I was interviewed on a podcast this morning, and I was talking a little bit about 
why I so I I think that the trad the movement of trad wives. You guys have heard me talk about this on the show a little bit. Uh, trad wives, of course, stands for traditional wives. It's like a hashtag trad wives. And there's this movement of women who are trying to get back to traditional roles of male and female, mostly the role of female. But I think it's kind of a dangerous thing because what they're doing is they're overreacting to the lie of feminism, right? Feminism has robbed so many women. Thank you, Gloria Steinem, right? The advent of the pill, uh, women believing now that they can have sex whenever they want to and there's no consequence because you can either prevent your body from getting pregnant permanently by staying on the pill, which is bad for you for a hundred different reasons, or even worse, if you find out you are pregnant, you can take the life of your unborn baby. And it has really upended uh, the preciousness of the sexual relationship, particularly as it relates to women. And so then women end up behaving more like traditionally men would behave because men would not feel the responsibility. A man's not going to get pregnant no matter what uh, the transgender weirdos tell you. A man's never going to get pregnant. And so he doesn't have the same uh, sense of responsibility as a woman would normally have. And so I love that you're talking about uh, getting back to really important foundational things maturity is a really good one. Self-control is a really good one. And the reason why I think that the trad wives thing is going to backfire is because A, it's not realistic. And B, can we just be honest? Like we're going back to 1940 and we're pretending like the Nazis weren't invading uh, invading in, in Germany and Poland and Hungary, that millions of people weren't being killed, that we weren't in the middle of another world war. Just because the women wore pretty dresses and things looked beautiful in the movies doesn't mean that these women had an easy life. It's so much better for us and so much wiser to lean into where we are now. Okay, we don't live in 1940 or 1930 or 1950. We live in 2024. So what does it look like to embrace the things that God says about women? We can reject feminism and we can embrace femininity. And that's what I would encourage you to do going forward. I love this idea of self-control. We never talk about it uh, in the culture. And really, self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's evidence that you are walking with the Lord, listening to the Lord, leaning into what He tells you. And I love your list, uh, Katie. So let me know how it goes for you as the year continues on. Christy from YouTube said, thank you so much for the inspiration, Heidi. You're welcome, Christy. I also need to check my heart way more before I speak with others. My word is faithful. My word is faithful. I think I told you guys the other day that I, Jay and I had lunch with one of our kids and we were just kind of talking about you know the culture and things that we would like to do differently. Or And I told, I told this, uh, this grown child of mine, I said, you know, I don't I don't look back on my life with a lot of regret in terms of choices, physical choices I made. I do not regret getting married at 19. I do not regret having seven children. I don't regret homeschooling. The things that I do regret, and there are a list of them, almost exclusively things that I said. Things that once it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, shoot, I can't take that back. I revealed a character flaw in myself that... Uh, really ended up just hurting the relationship and also revealing something in me that was sort of ugly. When if I just would have had a little bit of self-control and asked the Lord to help me, I probably would have been able to get past that particular moment or whatever it was. And so I love I love this uh, this idea that as we move forward in relationships, we do. We check our heart, 
We go, Lord, is this really what you want me to say? It goes back to that, you know, the old adage in the Bible, right words spoken in the right time are like apples of gold in a silver setting. Christy, I love that your word for 2024 is faithful. Faithfulness is something that we are sorely lacking in the culture right now. I love that you chose that one. Gerilyn, also coming in from YouTube, says her word is steadfast. Not just me being steadfast, but also remembering the steadfast love of the Lord and his faithfulness. Uh, boy, Gerilyn, that's a great word. Steadfast. Uh, I think I told you that that is also uh, one of the words that I am leaning into this year for 2024. My word was shine. Uh, I'm going to try really hard to have more joy in my life, a uh, little less grumpiness, a little bit more joy. And uh, the other word that came to mind, because you know me, I love uh, alliteration, immediately, almost immediately was steadfast. And so I love that word steadfast. We need to be steadfast in our uh, in our commitment to the truth, to defending the truth. Like I've told you guys, you know, we don't we don't know what's going to happen in 2024, but we do know what God expects of us, right? To love justice and mercy, to walk humbly with the Lord. He expects us to be honoring in our, our marriage vows. He expects us to be treating other people with kindness and respect. So we know those things for sure. So I love that, Gerilyn. Thanks for writing in. All right, I'm going to uh, move into your question. The first one is an anonymous listener who wrote in from the great state of Arkansas. I don't know if you guys know this, but I have a lot of family from Arkansas. Part of my my family heritage, the Ginn side of my family, is from Little Rock in that area. So there's some really, especially the western part of, of Arkansas. I love it. It's very pretty. Uh, this anonymous listener says that she's been struggling with being part of a church. I grew up going to church, with, uh, but being taught very little. Fast forward, I've been a member of my current church with my husband for 12 years. The problem is realizing I'm not being taught the word of God. Sermons are more like devotionals with scriptures, sometimes being in context. There are no adult Bible studies at the church. The preacher doesn't allow them. Interesting. I have expressed my concerns to my husband, but many times uh, I feel like because of the conservative views of our church and other qualities, he doesn't want us to lead. But I feel like I'm floundering trying to learn the Bible on my own. I've been praying about this. Do you have other recommendations for me? Well, first of all, I would just encourage you to join my Bible study community. We are going through the scriptures and uh, right now I'm working my way through the book of Esther. We just started that. And so this is a great time. If you guys are looking for a Bible study that is uh, both commit, uh, committed to teaching the word of God properly and also holding a high view of scripture, we believe at, at Faith That Speaks that we let scripture interpret uh, scripture. So oftentimes I will take the women through a Bible study method. What does it look like? Uh, I have developed my own Bible study method, and I'll just tell it to you guys. So you guys have heard, there are lots of different ones out there, but one of them is called the SOAP method, S-O-A-P. You can look it up. It's all over the internet. I kind of made my own in true Heidi St. John fashion, and I'm calling it grow. So G is just get your Bible. Here's where you go grab your Bible, and you reread whatever passage we're studying that day in, uh, in our study. So for the Faith That Speaks Bible Studies, we typically do four chapters, and every chapter has three days of actual study, and then one day of reflection and one day of journaling. So on the days that we're in the Word, I'm going to ask you, go back and just read it. Just read it for yourself. Don't read it with any commentary. Don't read it with uh, any kind of a need to fill in you know, questions about that passage. Just reread the passage. The, the R stands for reflect. 
So what seems to jump off the pages and grab your attention? And then why? You know, as you read it, something will jump out at you and you just need to go, okay, this is interesting to me. I want to kind of hang on to this and wrestle it down a little bit. And uh, sometimes we'll teach you uh, how to go and study that passage in the Greek. How do you look up? I'm a huge fan of Blue Letter Bible. If you've never looked that up, you absolutely should. O is observe it in context. In other words, what's happening behind the scenes in the story. So for the month of January, I'm taking women through the book of Esther. And by the way, you don't have to be a mom. You don't have to be uh, married. You can be a teenager. Uh, The study is open to any woman. And what we're doing at the beginning of the book of Esther is just looking at the story in context. So more like from a 35,000 foot view. So in other words, what was happening around Esther at the time that the story happened? What was going on with the Jews? Well, they had come back from a Babylonian captivity. Who was Xerxes? How uh, how big was his kingdom? What was happening in other countries? Something that's interesting to note about the same time that Esther's story happened Uh, the modern Greek society was really flourishing. I want to say they were around right around the 75th Olympic Games. So this was a very modern culture. Xerxes was a part of that, obviously, because he was in neighboring Persia. The Persian Empire was massive. And after the story of Esther took place, Xerxes decided to invade Greece. It was a terrible decision. It ended up being basically the beginning of the end for the Persian Empire because he lost that attempt Uh, to get even more land. It was this massive land grab. So I have maps in the study and all kinds of things. So you'll get a little bit of the history of what was happening in the area at that time, a history of the Jews, a history of the Persians. It's a very fun way, I think, to to really wrap your head and your mind and your heart around what would have been taking place at the time that the story of Esther was recorded in the Bible. The W is for worshiping God in prayer. So after you've studied with me, I'm always asking the women, hey, just take some time, ask Lord to show you how to apply what you have learned to your life and then thank him for what you're learning and for who he is. So that's a really great way to study the Bible. And um, I believe that you're right, Anonymous. We have so many churches right now who are not encouraging a study of the word. And it's hurting us. It's really hurting us. So uh, join me, you guys. Join me at the Faith That Speaks community. And I would also encourage you, since you're talking about, you know, really wanting to leave your church, you're frustrated by that. This has to be a decision, obviously, that you make with your husband in conjunction with your husband. So lean into what Uh, God wants you to do in your marriage, and then just continue to pray. God does amazing things when we come to him in prayer. All right. I have a question from another anonymous listener in Idaho, and she said this, hello, Heidi, how do I respond to my 23-year-old? He will not allow me to see my grandbaby unless I'm fully vaccinated. Nothing makes me madder than this. I got to tell you. Well, no, some things do. Abortion makes me madder than this. But very few things really bang my shutters like this question from this anonymous listener in Idaho. First of all, shame on your children for not letting you see your grandchildren because you're not vaccinated. Uh, This is called living in fear and also manipulation. So not only are they living with the spirit of fear, which we know that God didn't give us, the Bible is very clear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. This is why at the very beginning of the Rona, many of you heard me before most anybody else was doing it, 
loudly decrying what was happening because we know that God doesn't want us to live in fear. Fear removes rationality from the discussion. You guys know, because I'm sure you've, you've all been there, you know, you lose your child in the grocery store and it's like all of a sudden you get tunnel vision and the room starts to spin and you can't make sense of anything. And fear does that to you. Fear removes rational discussion and replaces it with reactionary decision-making. And that's exactly what this is. This is a reactionary decision. I would, what a terrible position they're putting you in. Terrible, awful, ungodly, unrighteous, wicked place that they that they are in right now to put you in this place to choose between putting a foreign substance into your body and being able to see your grandchild, which you are absolutely entitled to be able to do. So the first thing I'm going to encourage you to do is take it to the Lord in prayer. I don't, I don't have an answer for you because I can, I can tell you what I would think I would do, but because I'm not in that situation, I don't know for sure. My inclination is to call up my son or daughter and say, this is so wrong what you're doing to me. Um, I'm healthy. I'm fine. I, I can, you know, I can bring you a release from my doctor. I don't have any, any viruses. I'm not, I don't have any communicable diseases. I'm not going to kiss your child and give him chicken pox or whatever it is he's worried about. Uh, what a terrible thing that uh, the Rona and the continued fallout from it has done to our country, done to our relationships. But I'm going to be really praying that God gives you wisdom because that's what you need. You need wisdom in this situation. And the Bible says in James that if you lack wisdom, you can ask it from God and he will give it to you without holding back. So take it to the Lord in prayer. Looks like I've got time for one more question today. This is another anonymous question that came in from Texas. Uh, she says, hello, Heidi. I'm previously divorced, as is my husband. We have no kids from our previous marriages. We have since been saved and in that course found each other, and now we have two little ones. How and when do we bring this up to our kids while still having them believe in the sanctity of marriage and the hope for them to only get married once? Well, this is a great question. The first thing I'm going to encourage you to do is, uh, is let go of any condemnation. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And praise the Lord that you guys have found the Lord and that he has saved you and redeeming your marriage going forward. I think it's wonderful. I don't think you need to talk to your kids about this until they were probably close to being in their in their teens or, or if it comes up, you know, and it comes up naturally in conversation as your kids get older. But what they're going to see and what will mean more to them than anything else is watching you walk in right relationship with the Lord. You've heard me say many times, you can't pass on what you don't possess. If you want your kids to have a good shot at walking with the Lord, let them see you walking with the Lord. Let there be joy in your home. They're going to want what you have. Uh, and at some point you can say to them, you know what? Before uh, mom and dad found each other, we were married before. And we can tell you right now, we so wish we would have waited for the Lord's best in our life. Waiting for that right person is worth waiting. Uh, and, it, and it's worth telling your kids why that decision was a bad decision. I would say never lie to your kids about it. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be afraid that they would find out. I would just be asking Lord for the right time. It goes back to the proverb that I opened the show with today, right words, right? Spoken at the right time are like apples of gold in the silver setting. I wouldn't be afraid to tell your kids the truth, but you want to wait for the right time. And then ultimately the 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 point of the whole thing, right, is that you just make sure that your kids know, "Hey, uh, mom and dad, we love you and we love the Lord. And we so wish we'd understood this biblical principle when we were younger. And I guarantee you that that will have an impact on your kids that will far outweigh any of the fear that you feel about it now. So 
Uh, I'm excited for your family and for your commitment to following biblical principles in your home. And believe me when I say, I think it's going to bless you uh, beyond beyond your imagining. Uh, one more today, because it looks like I do have uh, time for one more. Another anonymous listener. So you guys, there's a bunch of anonymous people in here today. Uh, I love hearing from you. If you want to submit a question to me, you can do that by going to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday, and you will see a form there to fill out. It lets you kind of say what you like about the show or what you don't like. Uh, a place for your question. And then if you don't want to leave your name, if you just leave it blank, it comes back to me anonymous. Uh, So anonymous in Tennessee says, my question is this, my husband works in the public school system. We are parents to a two and a half year old and I feel God's calling me to homeschool our child. My husband agrees with not sending him to the public school, but wants to send him to a local Christian school. My husband tells me since I don't have a teaching degree, I won't know how to teach our son since I'm only a nurse. (laughs) You're only a nurse, only got your bachelor's degree in nursing, only could uh, give somebody an injection, only could set a broken bone. That sounds pretty pithy to me. Uh, where do I start with homeschooling? Okay, so first of all, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to make fun of make fun of uh, your husband, but this is kind of funny. the the uh, The teaching degree is not nearly as beneficial as your husband thinks that it is. So I don't have a teaching degree and I have successfully homeschooled seven children. And I will tell you right now that of all of the people that I have met, and there have been thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of them over the year that have homeschooled their kids, the ones who struggle the most are, wait for it, professional teachers. Hands down, bar none. Because you're basically, what they're teaching you in the classroom is crowd control, They're teaching you how to pass the time. They're teaching you, well, now they're going to be teaching you transgenderism. (laughs) They're going to teach you, you know, make sure that your your, uh, environmental score is right up to par, right? The teaching degrees are garbage and you don't need them to teach your child. In fact, I would like to ask the question, what is so broken? You know, five, you know, uh, 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 broken public school questions for 500, Alex. Why is it that we can't come out of a basic education, right, K through 12, and feel competent to teach a first grader to read. I'm just gonna let that sit. When did we become so afraid of teaching our own children that we thought we had to hand it off to a so-called professional? Because even though you're a person with a with a bachelor's degree, I'm assuming a minute at a minimum in nursing, Somehow, you're not going to be able to teach your child. It's hogwash. The most important thing that you will ever do as a teacher is have a vested interest in the child that you're teaching. And that is the magic of homeschooling. That is why you see so much success in homeschooling because nobody loves their child more than a parent does. No one's going to be more invested in making sure you understand your child's learning style and understand how to teach your child to read than you will. And I will tell you one thing, Anonymous in Tennessee, I was so angry when I when I finally realized all the years that I had wasted because someone had lied to me and said I wasn't capable of teaching my own children. What a lie from the pit of hell. You are absolutely qualified to teach your own child. And I told you I found a book called uh, Teach Your Child to Read in 100 Easy Lessons. And in fact, I'll link back to it in the show notes today. Uh, that book changed the way that I saw myself as a teacher because I had been told I wasn't smart enough. I didn't have the the teaching credential, whatever garbage credential they think you should have. 
And when I realized that I could teach my five-year-old daughter to read, it opened up a world for me that I didn't even know existed. And I am so thankful that I had the opportunity to bring my children home from public school, to spend time with them, to read stories with them, to love on them, to um, invest in their lives, that I allowed the homeschooling, the process of homeschooling to frankly shape me and sanctify me and teach me, you know, all the things that I had to learn. And you have that opportunity right now. Don't let anybody take it from you because this is, this is the world's point of view. And I am a fan of Christian schooling as a second option. I think if you, you know, absolutely, you know, uh, if you, if you have to put your kid in a school, which it doesn't sound like to me, you have to sounds like you could homeschool your children. If you have to put your kid in a school, they should go in a Christian school. I give up on the public school system. This is Heidi St. John waving the, the surrender flag. I surrender. It's almost impossible. I'm going to keep doing it, but it's almost impossible to fight against the National Education Association and all these corrupt, evil entities that have embedded themselves into the public school system. And I'm sure your husband is well aware of them. But I'm here to tell you right now, Anonymous in Tennessee, you can homeschool your children. Anyone can homeschool their children if you've got the heart to do it, the discipline to do it, the desire to do it. And finally, if you know the Lord, you got everything you need. You've got everything you need. And I just want to encourage you to do it. You guys be encouraged as we enter into a brand new year. I know a lot of people, because I'm hearing from you that are pulling their kids out for the semester break, never going to put them back in again. I'm telling you right now, it'll be the best decision that you ever make. And it's part of loving your people well. That's all I've got time for today. You guys, I'd love to hear from you. Keep those questions coming. HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. I'd love to hear from you. And also I should, maybe I'll do this tomorrow. I'm going to come and just read some of the really bad reviews that people leave on Amazon uh, for you. They're actually pretty funny. But if you've never left a review for my books on Amazon, can I just encourage you to do it, especially for my brand new one, Mom Three, Monstrong 365. It's a 365-day devotional. Uh, you can grab that book for yourself, leave a review. I would love to see those reviews come through. And I think I will um, come back probably on Tuesday and read some of them for you. You guys are going to laugh. You're going to laugh right along with me. Mostly just people just do it to be mean. But I would love it if you guys would leave some reviews. And if you really want something to laugh about, go read like the one-star reviews on Amazon. It's actually kind of funny. It's pretty funny. All right, you guys, that's all I got time for today. Thank you for writing in to me. And uh, we love hearing from you. And I will see you right back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. <laughs>